Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. God, I hope this is working. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I have to double check and make sure that we are actually connected with Blog Talk right now. Are we? Uh, this could be interesting. Um, yeah, it, it looks like we're... What a joke. Looks like we're registered. Can I ever like have a show on Blog Talk where there's not like hiccups? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm gonna see if I can stand by everybody. Stand by. Add a group call. Here we go. Here we go. Stand by. Uh, uh, I don't know what's going on. I guess not. Um, People, if you can hear us out there, I I know that there's a bunch of people listening live right now. So message me on Facebook and let me know that you can hear me because right now we're having having some issues. Call failed. That's not a good one. That's not one of our better better ones there. Hold on a second. Add to group call. I should no. I mean that's what I did last time. Well, I mean, you, uh, let's both hang up and call in. All right, sorry everybody. Fault start. We'll be starting the show in twenty seconds. Call failed to the blog talk people. It's still, I mean, it's it's running like a live show. I don't understand, like, what's going on here? BTR. BTR host to add to group call. Let's call you. Hang up on you. BTR, hold on a second. Josh, log into the, um, log into the stream and see if you can hear us. Here, I'll get it for you. Uh, yep. Stand by. Yeah, and it just cut us off. Like, what the... Oh, boy. Um, yeah, hold on. Just go to Blog Talk and search it. Hold on. Just technical good stuff. Okay, it's okay. Um, got the big. Okay, is it? Isn't are you heading? All right. Well, I mean. That's okay. I mean, dude, this, I mean, we've been having little hiccups with this stuff for a long time now, so. Okay, great. Hey, everybody, we are live. It is 
the cluster F of radio. Because it's so odd, I do not see her up there. But whatever. All right, so... You know, go ahead, um, go ahead and record this, because if it doesn't record for some whatever reason... Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and record this. Yeah, there we go. Ta-da, we're recording video now. All right, everyone... Welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. Can I just, like, let's, let's do a reset. We're going to do a factory reset. Hold Is on. that all? I don't know, man. I mean, that was the big fault start right there. I mean, it wasn't really our fault, though. The, the girl just dropped off the line on Skype. And so what am I, what am I supposed to, uh, what, what am I supposed to assume? Here we go. We're going to start over again. Let's do it. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Okay, yes, now we are live. Welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. And in case you guys just heard him, that is Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution and many other ventures, including the joint venture that he and I are launching together called, um, well, we'll leave that towards the very end, because we're actually going after we drop all this creative knowledge on you geopolitical nerds, we are going to ask for a donation. And yes, it is going to be a small one, but it's going to be for a meaningful purpose because neither one of us can bring ourselves to put into our pockets and give these people money. But we figured if the research collective dumps in and everybody gives in like a dollar, then we can afford to have a subscription to one of the most evil publications on the planet. Hmm. If we- Well, that's kind of the people's fault that didn't get us the logo back and left the watermark on there for like a week, so. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, after all the um, fanfare and stuff that we put into it, we better actually produce somewhat of a decent product, so. Look forward to that, everybody. I actually might get dressed up for some of the episodes. These are all going to be taped to air because they're going to be compact episodes, so you can take bits and pieces of it, which we'll probably do as well. We'll probably take off bits and pieces and put them onto YouTube as as short just um, clips so that people can uh, share those with other individuals uh, regarding um, very, very dense information, but compacting it into a couple of short minutes and then giving you hyperlinks so that you guys can go and read and research for yourself. Because it's one thing to hear it coming from somebody like myself and Josh. It is another thing for you to go and read it and understand it for yourself. And understand where all of these little tie-ins and data points come from. And then most mainstream media will tell you that conspiracy theorists are people that like to believe that history is made up of links and and connections, but really it's just all happenstance and people just, you know, people just go to war because they just do. So now that being said, let's talk about the history that is going on now in Iraq. Well, the American establishment, we'll just call it that, has had their hand over in the Middle East and um, Asia for 
quite some time now. And um, let's, Josh, where do you think that we should begin with this idea of the Jihadin, AK, and then branching off into Al Qaeda, and then Al Qaeda becoming this ISIS group? Where do you, which is ISIS, which is a whole different, if you're going into the esoteric version, it's a whole different. <laughs> yeah, play on words. Well, well it's funny. There you go. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. 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 Oh gosh. Um first name. Right. Right. But when we look back at the history of this entire region and and then we're we're going to talk about what what really was accomplished in in the war. Iraq. Now, first of all, let's set the stage for this, and then we'll kind of backtrack and give you the background history. The United States goes into the <clears throat> to the war, and then we let's let's. Where's the best way to start this thing? Okay. Okay. I mean, I, just, I, I start Okay. All right. So go from seventy three, and I'll pick up in like seventy nine, where Brzezinski and those guys kind of push their stuff in. Right. Of course, because it, it's it's now it's now become a, a a galvanizing tool for them to go and propagandize the public and saying, look, the Russians are moving in. This is the height of the Cold War. This is when everything's kind of coming to a head um, from the Cold War standpoint. So what they're doing is they're taking this and, and once again never let a good crisis go to waste. And then they're taking the ball and they're basically running from it. So continue. Right. Which is interesting because I have a clip later on. Ah, the world is just so crazy. But anyway, hey, you know what? Everything just everything's coincidence, people. Absolutely not. Oh, Lord have mercy. We already got into it. All right, continue, man. Continue. Nineteen seventy-three.
Right. Uh, OB, wait, o- OBL? Yeah. Was, was it 2012? Was it two years ago? Oh my god, it blow blurs together. Obama's... Yeah, he probably died like five years after, anyway, after 9-11, but whatever. Go ahead. Oh my lord, um, Mas- Masood, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it was like in in the early '80s, and um, I'm just kind of scrolling through this timeline to get all my stuff together here as well. But um, the the first aforementioned gentleman, um, Hayakmar or whatever his name was, was uh, yeah, he was a known drug dealer, and then the CIA utilizes him. He was a huge kingpin out there in in, in the region, and so what happens is the CIA gets in with him and decides that they're going to run weapons with him, and then they decide, you know, well. Maybe we could do some drug trafficking, too. Maybe we could traffic some opium in there, too. So this is where all of these ideas and interests come into play. You know, when, when we talk about um, Afghanistan currently and, and the production of opium and the production of poppy, how it went from, you know, how it basically went from 10% of the world's population to, to 90% in Afghanistan. Now we're looking at a region that is basically... It, it has been all about drug money. It is all about um, weapons running. So this entire region has been just a powder keg, and it's one of those ideas and one of those things from Brzezinski and all of these other guys is if we destabilize the nation, then what we can do is that once we've gotten the nation destabilized, then we can go back and we can start to quote-unquote rebuild or we can section off and make sure that everybody gets their fair share, so to speak, so that these guys stop infighting. But what happens is is that you have these regions that are set up and, and all these political or these, these barriers are, are basically determined by politicians. They're not determined by any kind of like national language. They're not determined by any kind of religious um, exception. They're not re- determined by any kind of um, idealistic belief. It's just like, okay, we're just drawing a, a, literally a line in the sand right here. And it could be a group of, um, of Bedouins that are just, you know, happen to be right here. And then it would split right down the middle, like nope, that's that's the border right here. So what we're what we're trying to get to here is the understanding the deep and under um, underlying issues that go on in Afghanistan that create this Al Qaeda version or um, a branch off of the Mujahideen and why it's so important. 
because when we're looking at it from a today's standpoint, the American public is starting to kind of getting used to Al Qaeda. Now, Al Qaeda went from being the terrorists that ran um, the nine, or excuse me, the Taliban ran the nine eleven, and then they lumped in Al Qaeda with um, with the Taliban and started talking about Al Qaeda as the new threat. We have to start focusing on the war on terror. We have to start focusing on Al Qaeda, and then Al Qaeda kind of scampers over into into Syria, and then we, as the United States, start to give them weapons, and we start giving them aid, and we start giving them food and all these other stuff. Start. Well, Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, and then so it just it just makes it easier for the public to understand, I guess. Um, when they're when they're buying into the propaganda and the way that they they push it on the public, is that everybody's Al Qaeda and Al Qaeda is the, is the new threat. Now that kind of brings me into and and we're going to backtrack a little bit, but this is where I really want to focus on because this is why it's so important. Um, when you're talking about what happened in Syria, now I I've been watching um, mainstream news the last couple of nights and I typically don't because all it does is makes me frustrated and makes me angry and it makes me want to throw stuff at it because. They do treat the public like you're a bunch of gibbering idiots and you have no idea how to read a book, which for the most part in the, in the American populace is probably a um, – a, um, oh, um, Sean says he can't hear you. Oh, strange. Okay, maybe he can just hear me. So, Josh, call – hang up and call me back and I'm going to see what happens here. Well, okay. How in the heck is this going on here? Okay, I have no way to add you to group call. So something's going funky here. Let me call Blog Talk by myself. Um, Wouldn't be a show of mine if there wasn't some kind of... I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Quote Joe Rogan. Some kind of fuckery afoot. All right, so... um. Let me, uh, let me, Josh, go ahead and hang up. I'm going to try to call Blog Talk again. And I really don't understand how I'm on with Blog Talk right now. Um, here, I'm just going to shut down Skype. I'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. That's the reason we're recording this. So, Josh made a lot of really good points, but hold on. Stand by, everyone. Okay. I think we got everybody. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. We have everything. Sorry for that, everybody. And the reason I sounded like a bumbling idiot when, if you guys could not hear Josh, is because Josh hit almost every high point that we wanted to hit in the first few minutes. But anyway. Uh, 
sorry. But just to to all right, all right, all right. Well, well, factory reset here. Stand by. I'm still working on my factory reset. Okay. Mm. Um, where do we leave off? Oh, okay. So, Josh, um, talk about why why Al Qaeda is so important, and and just the name Al Qaeda is is important, and then I'll get into what I saw on mainstream media in the last couple nights. We'll get into the Lindsey Graham clip at clip, and then backtrack in that um a couple other things so yes go ahead and explain to the public why it's so important to understand why al-qaeda is the the catchphrase and and use the shaman as an example like you did before yeah sure we were just noting that you know all of these supposed arab militant groups the taliban the mujahideen uh you know the uh oh what's another good one um the the united islamic front there you go all all, all these you know supposed or actually dis- disparate, disconnected terrorist groups that kind of affiliate with one another and sometimes go to war with one another. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the term al-Qaeda is literally an intelligence term uh, that, that they never called themselves. They only started calling them, referring to themselves as al-Qaeda uh, after they heard the Western media calling them al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's and very much, uh, we, I drew the historical allegory with the term shaman, uh, where in the 50s and the 60s, during the psychedelic, the, before the psychedelic revolution and, and during its heyday, mm-hmm. the term shaman was popularized by a bunch of essentially Wall Street guys who were hired by the CIA to think up these terms. And shaman, shaman, referred only to one small Siberian culture, I believe it's Siberian, but it was applied to all, you know, essentially ancient peoples universally who used drumming techniques and, and drugs to to supposedly reach some spiritual enlightenment. Uh, so it's a propaganda term, uh, just like the term Al-Qaeda. Uh, and when you really, we also started by talking about two characters that I won't get into now, but Ahmad Shah Massoud and uh, Hekmatyar, uh, who later go to war with one another in the 90s, right. uh, as, as Hekmatyar kind of splits off from the Mujahideen and forms what, part of what we know as the Taliban. Right. Um, but the the way that those two characters work out in the early history is very interesting, and we'll, we can leave that for a little bit later. Yeah, because w- let's let's kind of fast track into this um, into this new Al Qaeda brand, if you will, and it's it's a brand that lets the American public kind of know that they're they're brown people over there with guns and they're stirring up stuff and they're chopping Christian heads off. That's all you need to know. And so the way that they utilize the term, and I guess we're going to go into the analysis in the mainstream media here because this is where it really needs to go. Um, I watched – actually, I forced my wife to watch a few minutes of it, and I stomached it. Um, Josh, you're going to love all this. Okay, so Hillary Clinton the other night was on promoting her new book with Christiana Amanpour. How ironic is that? You want to give the people the background of Christiana Amanpour and why that's so funny that I even said that the fact that she was interviewing Hillary Clinton and she asked her, quote-unquote, tough questions. I'm sorry to be so tough on you, but I have to ask these questions. So what is the, the significance of Mrs. Christiana Amanpour? Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, all I know about her is that she's Iranian. Yes. And, and that, that's, that's literally all I know, so you're going to have to enumerate be- me as, and I our believe, listeners. I believe that her husband was involved with the Council on Foreign Relations at one point. If, oh, that'll do it. Yeah, if I, can, if I can draw my parallels correctly. Yes. So it's very um, – and I could be wrong. I might be thinking of a different anchor. But anyway, it was very interesting to see how this all played out. And she would ask her questions about the State Department and – you know, what they did, and um, isn't it magical how after all this Benghazi disaster that the right wing got all fervored up over, that now they've caught one of the guys that was responsible for the Benghazi attack? 
two years later, just in time for all of this stuff to kind of close the door on all the Benghazi stuff and then shift the attention of the American public to Iraq again because, well, let's face it, the way that the, the, way the United States left Iraq, first of all, we shouldn't have been over there in the first place, number one. Uh, number two... The way that they left Iraq was basically, if you watch the Vice documentary, and I'll actually, I'll, I'll link to it. Not that I hold Vice in some kind of, you know, um, high esteem for um, journalistic reputation, but they did a really good job of of showing the the American allies what they were doing in Iraq and how they were trying to train the new quote unquote police force for Iraq. About, um, you know, hey, we're going to leave here one day and you guys are going to have to do this. You're going to have to fight the Taliban. And none of the guys could understand it. And none of, you know, it, basically there was a language barrier. There was all kinds of different things going on. So they assumed that the American um, soldiers were going to be there to basically protect all these farms and all these different tribal areas, which as we saw the, as we saw the pulling out, and believe me, I want to bring the troops home, but what, it was basically set up for failure. And they even knew it, and all the soldiers over there knew it. Everybody that was coming out knew it. So it's like, oh my God, this is just going to be an absolute, you know, cluster. You know what? As soon as we leave, sure enough, after they start pulling out, what happens? Now we have this flood of of, of militants come in, driving straight down the road, by the way, and then trying to invade a nation, um, you know, flying flags. And then, as you um, did, you point that out that they have um, they now have tanks. They have Abrams tanks now. Uh, yeah, there's a, a video of ISIS released earlier this week that, that showed them, I believe it was an M1 Abrams, uh, but acquiring this tank and firing it for the first time in, in astoundment. And the, the, the press release obviously said that it was, it was captured from one oh, of sure. the abandoned bases. But, but given that you knew Maybe that this... That's what Americans do. We just leave tanks and, you know, we just leave that stuff everywhere. We abandon a base just... Leave the tanks there, and that actually kind of you know piggybacks me into this next um, into this article that I did want to talk about because this is what the this is what I saw the mainstream media hyping. And let me talk about the mainstream media first, and then and then I'll get into why this article is so important. And then we'll get into Lindsey Graham fear mongering with his 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 big USA cape on, fear mongering like he does best. So sorry, we're kind of all over the place, but the blog talk people got me all, all off kilter for right now. But we'll we'll settle in here. So when I watched mainstream media, I watched Christiana Amanpour, I watched um, the interview with Hillary Clinton, I flipped over and um, saw a, um, a brief segment on Kelly, whatever the Kelly, what, what, what's her show called now? The Kelly Files. It should be called The Kelly Legs, because they give her like the glass table so all these old guys can look at her legs. Yeah, seriously. It's like you think it's a coincidence that they put the three men in the middle on the five, and then they've got Kimberly Guilfoyle and uh, what's her name? On the, Dana Perino, the former fucking White House chill, essentially. Yeah. Propagand- chief propagandist for the White House and the Bush administration. <laughs> it's like, no, that, that, it's just, that, they pick those seats. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, they, they want to sit there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we're watching the Kelly file, and then she talks about how they've, they've caught this bad guy. And, and they get the, the head of intelligence on there, and, or one of the heads of the intelligence committee, and he and Lindsey Graham are both saying the same thing, that we need to – this guy doesn't need a trial. He needs to go straight to Guantanamo, and we need to get information out of him. We need to know whatever he knows about his leaders. And anybody that knows anything about torture or has read you know, 
military handbooks on torture and what, what really goes on, 90% of the time you're going to get disinformation because the person is just going to cave and tell you whatever that you want to hear. And then they're going to use that as some kind of, you know, launch pad to go somewhere else. We're probably going to go bomb England. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go. But anyway, after watching all this stuff and, and watching what Megyn Kelly said, she said, well, you know that, um, you know that there's these missiles that are missing, these Stinger missiles that were, you know, in these abandoned bases, and now they're in the hands of Al Qaeda, and um, and they're talking about that they might launch terror attacks here in the United States. Which is really ironic because uh, I couldn't even find the show. I'll have to find it sometime here um, in the uh, over the next over the next couple of days for the weekend. But I did an absolute entire show on the missing missiles, and it must have been back in 2011 or 2012 when all this stuff hit. Because here it is, report, and this is out of NBC News. Um, says report: twenty thousand missiles may have disappeared in Libya. This is right after all of us went over there. You know, we bombed Libya. We had all this good, you know, good old American fun over there. And all these missiles go missing, and nobody knows where they went. Well, most of the people do because I happen to know some people in, in um, Air Force Intelligence. And it was right after because it was in October of 2012 when they released it to the public. And um, I remember talking to him um, at the um, at our Christmas party, and, and we were talking about – you know, what happened at uh, Benghazi, and I told him it was a weapons cache, and basically they just took a bunch of weapons, and, and uh, we talked about the, the missing missiles from Libya, and he just starts shaking his head. He's like, oh, yeah, we know. He's like, we basically stood down and gave him those missiles. So it, it's kind of a, a continuation of, of what we've seen before, Josh. It's like, it's not even the enemy of our enemy is our friend. It is a completely distorted view where we just give these radical extremists guns and weapons and missiles and then just turn them loose in the area to, to to create a destabilization so that we can come in as the quote-unquote policemen of the world and set up no-bid contracts and go ahead and get further entrenched in these in these issues that we are already in it's like i said before when when we were pulling out of iraq the people at the top of the people at the top understood this was going to be a goat rope and and this was just a matter of time and here we are well, that, that's why it's so important to note that all of these geopolitical machinations in the Middle East are really anywhere with regard to America. You know, the, the control of international drug markets, oil resources, the expansion of power militarily, these are all important factors. Um, but when we're looking at a scenario where these people fund everyone, yes. not just quote-unquote good guys or bad guys, not that those guys actually exist, nope. they, fund, they fund everybody, and then they, they shift their agenda as it suits them and get rid of people that no longer serve them, right? So Look, What happened with Saddam Hussein? It was a prime example. Like, hey, Saddam, you can go and invade Kuwait. He's like, really? I can go and invade Kuwait? You guys aren't going to say anything? We do not get involved in inner, um, what, what was it, the... Um, the inner um, Middle Eastern affairs. We do not get involved. So Saddam Hussein goes and invades Kuwait. What do we do? Ta-da! Here we are. We're coming in. Desert, what was it? Desert Shield? Desert Storm? Oh, oh Storm. Storm was the first one. Shield mm -hmm. was the second one. So yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, I, thought, I thought the second one was Operation Iraqi Freedom. Oh. <laughs> that's seriously what they called it. I think so. But, but no, I was, I was actually, that's a good example, but I was thinking of the one that we started with. 
Masood and Hekmatyar. Sure. Because we've got the, the... And I find it interesting that in the horrible Aaron Sorkin propaganda movie, Charlie Wilson's War... Uh, where they essentially try, seen, by the way, I'll have to. They, where they, yeah, it's, it's pathetic. I mean, but they try to essentially insinuate that this is the war of one congressman who, you know, tr- tricked the CIA into giving these freedom fighters missiles to beat the Soviets. Oh, it's, sure, it's, it's pathetic. And and but most of the money that that they they note the one billion dollars that comes from from the Saudis to to arm the Mujahideen, mm-hmm. they state in the movie that it specifically comes to it goes to Masood. When really Masood doesn't receive much of it at all, and most of it goes to Hekmatyar, right. because Masood is a true believer, right? right? He, he's uh, we could call him a, a, I guess a kind of a good guy, like at least he's bound he's enough by his is, Islamic dogma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, he doesn't like he he at least he's got something of a heart, right? Right. Uh, whereas Hekmatyar, as you noted, is this fucking thug drug dealer. Excuse right. my French. No, no, no. Um, that's so, what it was. So after after the communist Afghan regime falls, uh, what do these same people do? They split the Mujahideen. They create the Taliban. Hekmatyar and the Bin Laden group form you know form that core, and they're they're trained and funded. And what do they do to the Northern Alliance and Massoud? They they eliminate his military power, and then they blow him up three days before 9/11. So we can't talk about it. Right. So this is the exact same playbook is being run again, as you like to say, Jake. Ripple Ripple versus versus Flea Flicker Touchdown. I mean, come on, people. Mm. And it's not like, it's not, it doesn't take a a lot of research to kind of get the parallels here, especially when you look at who was in charge of the policies at the time. Like, you see that Brzezinski was in charge of the policies at the time when all this stuff went on under Carter, um, especially up until the, until, um, until when the the Russians started to push into Afghanistan, and we fund started funding the Afghanis and giving them weapons and stuff like that as a quote unquote deterrent for the you know for the Red Scare or whatever whatever propaganda you know word they wanted to throw out to talk about the expansion of communism that we the had domino effect. No, the dad. There it was. There we go. Yeah, you know your propaganda terms so well. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's the domino effect of communism, and if we don't stop it here, then it's going to spread to Georgia, or Georgia and all these other areas. Probably so, some Rand Corporation shit, too. Yeah, it probably was. It, it might have been. I mean, if you look at the way that these guys spend stuff, it's pretty It's pretty amazing with the PR firms and everything like that. And, you know, I spent an entire show last time talking about the CIA, and I never even got into Afghanistan because I spent the entire time talking about the setup of the CIA and how all this stuff started you know, how all this stuff came to be out of the OSS and all of that. And then when you look at it from from an even broader perspective on what they do, it's it's not like that the CIA does these things to, to really create um, or to promote democracy like they spin it to the American public where it's all about promoting democracy. It's about commanding and controlling, like you said, commanding and controlling drugs, commanding and controlling banking. We didn't even get into the... Um, to the um, to the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, which was one of the banks that was even started to help fund the drugs and, and, and launder the money over there. So when you look at, um, let's see, the Mujahideen, oh, I had this little stat for me. Oh, the Mujahideen from 1982 to 1991, opium, Afghan opium production went from 250 tons in 1982 to 2,000 tons in 1991. And then we saw the big leap again when the American people go back in again in Operation Iraqi Freedom or whatever you want to call it, and they push over into Afghanistan, and now Afghanistan uh, has the largest pro- production of opium on the planet. So the game has not the game has not changed. It's still about getting the drugs, laundering the drugs, 
paying off drug dealers, paying off cartels, funding cartels, giving them weapons to create destabilization so that you can actually sell more weapons, get more drugs, and it's it's nothing about freedom, it's nothing about peace, and that's why this is also baffling to people like Josh and myself. Well, well, I'd agree with that, but I mean, like, I think our our listening audience at this point is now mature enough to accept that all of these things are related to one thing, and that is eugenics. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So, so when we're talking about these these people funding both sides of these supposed extremist regimes, and then having one group kill the other, and then coming in and killing the victor of that group, while you get the rem- the remnants to grow a bunch of heroin and cocaine to that you then ship back into America and feed to exclusively almost brown people, uh, you know there there's there is a larger depopulation agenda that's going on here. Right, and then when you look at it from that perspective, it, it it's kind of like what the Club of Rome said when they were talking about in their in their articles that they need to they need to um, keep up famine, they need to keep war up because it depopulates the earth, and so they utilize this as a grand stratagem to say that okay, well we can live with a bunch of people killing each other because that keeps the population down and it keeps you know it keeps the idea of the back pockets of the the global comptrollers the people that own the banks the gun runners all those kind of deals it keeps their po- pockets padded but it serves their quote unquote like Josh pointed out their greater agenda and that is to um depopulate especially that portion of the earth they have a really really little um if if you want to call it a a lust for that region because they understand the significance of that region and you and I talked about this last night um Let's let's talk a little bit about the setting up of um because this is a big player in the region so we need to we need to touch on this before we move on. Let's talk about the setting up of Saudi Arabia, the setting up of the House of Saud, how that plays into all of this. Um, where because if you look at who funds most of these terrorist groups, look at who funded the attacks on 9/11. Um, what is it? 15 of the 19 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. 12. 12. Okay. And and the rest were Egyptian, I believe. So nobody. One was pa- one was Pakistani. So nobody from Iraq. Yeah. Nobody from Afghanistan either, if I if I recall correctly. Yeah, Maybe we, one. We got to invade, man. The Al Qaeda terrorists are going to get us. But let's talk about that for really quick. So the House of Saud gets set up by basically the, um, the CIA and other intelligence apparatuses, and Henry Kissinger goes over there, does the deal, to where it sets up the House of Saud, where they're trading oil for um, T bills, right? That's basically how they got their initial funding is that um, we, we told them that we would show them how to process the oil. Correct me if I'm wrong. We'd show them how to process this oil and, and give them the supplies and stuff as long as they used the some of the portion of the profits that they made to buy U.S. T-bills. Was that pretty much the deal? Well, well, we got to realize that it starts much earlier than that, you know, because uh, Muhammad. I was trying to short bowl it because we got 20 minutes left here. Oh, I'm sorry, but well, I do think it's important to note that you know before the, the American intelligence comes in and picks up the pieces, right, it's the right. British who set up mm-hmm. that. Yeah, the House of Saud, and that's where BP, British Petroleum, is born right. from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got that little connection in there for everybody. Sorry about that. I did skip the British Petroleum and and British intelligence. God dang those British. They're always showing us how to do stuff. That was such a that was a shot at Josh. <laughs> they, they might as well be us. They might as well be. They don't call it the Anglo-American establishment for nothing. No, come on, that's conspiracy theory, dude. That doesn't mm. happen. Okay, so well, the- if you if you were a eugenicist, then wouldn't you want to sacrifice the population, use them as the sword, the ones that were essentially the outcasts of British society and, and Western European society? Mm-hmm. You mean yeah, like makes sense to me. And the other guys that wanted religious freedom, they can't. Anyway, mm. 
whatever. They don't hold grudges, man. They just hold crowns. It's okay. All right, so moving on. Um, now let's talk about why this is so important in this region currently. we got about 20 minutes left, so this should be enough to cover it, because I do want to play this Lindsey Graham clip so that everybody, if you don't have trouble sleeping tonight, <laughs> guess what? You're going to now, because Lindsey Graham is here to save the day. Okay, so the 20,000 missiles go reportedly missing in Libya, and now we have Fox News, we have CNN. Oh, I did watch O'Reilly Factor last night for a little while, and... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if anybody could have seen the, the gesture that Josh just made, it made me laugh. But um, I watched the O'Reilly Factor last night, and he had on um, Krauthammer. And, of course, he and Krauthammer were sitting there in a, in a giant circle jerk talking about how they needed to bomb everybody. Well, Krauthammer can't do that because he's a fucking paraplegic and he deserves it. But Well, anyway. quadriplegic, isn't he? I, I can't remember. I think... I think, I think it's neck down. I wish he just snapped it and he died. Uh, but that's really wrong, Josh. I know it's rough, but so is Charles Krauthammer's existence. So. Well, anyway, so they're sitting there doing their big circle jerk about how they should have bombed everybody. They should have bombed. They should have bombed Assad, Assad in in Syria, and that would have stopped this invasion because that's what happens. And it, once again, you know, if Fox didn't show maps. If they didn't show their new little maps that they've got now, like over in the Middle East and in, in, in like in Asia, like so that people actually know where these countries are. Did they Guess what, guys? Syria turns out right next to Iraq. Who would have guessed? <laughs> Who would have guessed? Too bad we didn't tell you that like six months ago. Too bad we didn't tell you that ten years ago. But Gosh, it's unbelievable. And then they run the propaganda spin. So they bring in Stossel. All right. And then he's like, so what do you think that we should do? You think we should just let these people run crazy? And they're driving – He's like, and this was kind of my argument as well. He's like, they're driving – literally driving trucks in to invade um, Baghdad, right? They're dri like convoys. He's like, we shouldn't go bomb them? And he's like, well, Stossel makes the great point. Once again, Stossel being a libertarian, and not that I agree with every libertarian philosophy, but in this case, it's very, very poignant to point out. He says, well, if you bomb somebody – Maybe that driver wasn't really a terrorist. Maybe that driver was just kind of roped into it because his buddies wanted to go do this and drop him off, and you kill him, and then you create 10 other terrorists. And so he's like, but what you're doing by killing terrorists, you're not winning the war on terror. You're, you're basically just creating more terrorists. And so then Stossel has to tow the company line at the end, and I really can't wait for this interview to get released because I want to show you how he spins it. Uh, O'Reilly comes and, of course, it's the no-spin zone. O'Reilly comes and starts pointing at him and just basically saying, so are we winning the war on terror? We're winning the war on terror, right? And, of course, Stoffel's like, yeah, I think we're winning the war on terror, which is complete and utter farce because, as we just covered in the first 30 minutes of the broadcast, we started the damn war on terror. We are the ones responsible for the war on terror. The reason that people over there hate us it's because we fund people like massive drug dealers. <laughs> they go off. Yeah, but that, that's ultimately why John Stossel is allowed to stay on the air, though, because okay. he towed the company line the entire time. Because mm -hmm. you're allowed to talk about blowback, because nobody's at no, fault with blowback. No, 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 that's it's indirect, exactly. right? Mm -hmm. The blowback theory is indirect, whereas if you were to actually talk about the fact that most of these groups, whether mm -hmm. they're angry or not, would not have the money and the, and the support and the arms and the training to wage these wars at all without our help, that is, the, that is the far more important connection, and that's the one that modern libertarians are being dissuaded from believing, which is why you know, it's, it's also, to a large extent, in my opinion, a controlled opposition movement. But. 
Well, and, and we can get One into, of the many reasons, but that's a topic for another day. That is a topic for another day, and especially if you're talking about the big L, like voting libertarians, like the people like Alex Jones then, and, and the people like Rand Paul, then then you're definitely talking about it. Yeah, I'm referring to the political movement. Okay, there you go. So let's, you know, disseminate. L, little L libertarians, the people that you guys don't go pull, you know, levers and stuff like that because you all know it's a rigged game, kudos to you. People like the big L libertarians that think you can go in and return to the Constitution and everything's going to be peaches... Ain't gonna happen. Sorry, you got bigger. We got bigger fish to fry than than people sitting in the big boob up there. Literally a big. Whatever. I'm making too many. I'm making too many references back to like old ancient Greece and ISIS. It's like, it's like a moon goddess boob. Uh, it would be like a moon goddess. Would it be like a um a Siri or no? Or pale, it's pale and white, like a moon goddess. Oh whatever. Anyway. The moon. The moon waging war on the ISIS. <sighs> anyway. Anyway. All right. So. <laughs> Shifting over that, let's get here. Let's let's let Lindsey Graham drop some knowledge on us. So this was um, Josh is about to probably um, commit Harry Carey on air, but um, this is the seeds of the new 9/11 that Lindsey Graham is now pushing. And for those of you that don't know, Lindsey Graham um, about gosh, I want to say it. What was it last year? Your uh, Lindsey Graham said that if we don't invade Syria, that Syria is going to nuke South Carolina. So he doesn't fearmonger very often, but what he does when he does pull the card out, it's a damn big card. And this, for those of you that don't know, and if Josh and I are not here in a couple of months for some reason, there's a big terror attack. This will probably be the broadcast that causes it because this is bonkers. So for those of you that understand how to read through propaganda and sift through propaganda and understand what Lindsey Graham is trying to tell you, Find a bedpan because this is kind of terrifying. Graham, Republican of South Carolina. He's been to Iraq many times. Oh, good for him. Of administration policy. Senator, what happened here? Uh, this is, seems like it just came out of nowhere. Oh, it was just the administration came out of asleep at the wheel? Was there yeah, an intelligence failure? Uh, was this the fault of, of Maliki uh, in Iraq? How did this happen? Kind of all of the above. But really, you go back to 2010 and 2011, the perfect storm. We withdraw our forces in 2011, so the security environment falls apart. Maliki, without hand-holding, being pushed by Petraeus and Crocker, the Obama administration. Had All right, we're going to do some decoding propaganda. All right, first of all, I call bull, you know what, because we had contractors over there when we pulled out. So it's not like that we just left and pack bags and run. Well, it's very hard to mention the contractors when half of them are military contractors, but many of them are military intelligence and CIA contractors that are training the people who are now trying to storm Baghdad. So you've got, you know, the good old boy American network and and the actual military supposedly training this Iraqi military force where you have whereas you have the some of the more private military out out farms training the new terrorists. So mm-hmm. Like over in Jordan, where they trained a bunch of these terrorists that are actually there at, a, mm-hmm. at, at an army base. And it was, it was very open that we're out. And, and some of the guys at the army base didn't like it. They're like, look, we're training like al-Qaeda people that are telling us that after you train us, we're going to go to America and kill people too. Because that's what our next destination is. So, and that's on video. So I'll find that video. I'll find it. I've, I've seen it a couple of times. So I'll find it and I'll put it in the uh, show notes for... For the show tonight. So if they ever get to America, folks, you know that they didn't do it on their own. No, come on, dude. They got paddle boats and stuff over there, and they're fine. They got cruisers. Look, man, our our coast guards, you know, been depleted. We don't have a coast guard anymore. They'll just let them come right in, right into the Charleston Harbor. 
and set off a nuke just like Lindsey Graham said. Anyway, so, sorry guys, digressing, here we go. Lindsey Graham, more propaganda, come on out. A hands-off approach to the political problems in Baghdad and Syria got Al-Qaeda in Iraq back into the game. We had Al-Qaeda in Iraq, which is the predecessor to ISIS, on their backs. And when Syria went bad, they got... Time out. So we gave them weapons and then sent them into Syria. Just wanted to add that little tidbit in there. Reinforcements from Syria. So all this came together, and Maliki's a flawed leader, Bob. He, he has to go. There's no way that Maliki can bring this country back together. Does that sound like Saddam Hussein to anybody else? Does we should just make Lindsey Graham king of the Middle East. He'll fix all of this tomorrow. It'll be done. He's clearly the smartest man on earth. A, a true geopolitical strategist. See, see, he's got to go. And Assad has got to go. These people have got to go. In fact, all those brown motherfuckers, just get rid of all of them. <laughs> the, Build a mega church right in the middle. That's it. Just throw a big... Never mind. Won't even go there. All right, go ahead. So you think he has to resign? Oh, absolutely. I've been there so many times I can't count. And uh, after we basically detached ourselves from Iraq, you know, Petraeus and Crocker would go into his office almost every day. I was there with him a lot, pushing all three parties. What's so heartbreaking is that uh, we had this place in a good spot. They were playing politics rather than killing each other. Okay, that was actually a kernel of truth. No, it really was a kernel of truth, so let's give Lindsey Graham credit. We did stabilize the region for a little while well, what is, after we blew the shit out of you for 10 years. Well, what, what is that code word for? What, is that, what does that mean? It just means they were playing ball. Right, and he says that as much. Playing ball means they were, they're working with us. Right, and now that's now that's being threatened. Okay, so here we go. Continuing. The decision to withdraw U.S. forces created a vacuum. Syria uh, is a launching pad, and it's all come together. We need air power immediately to stop the advance toward uh, Baghdad. If the central government in Iraq collapses, and that's the goal of ISIS. Iran will own the southern part of Iraq. That's where the Shias live. They can operate ISIS from Baghdad to Kurdistan. All oh my God, I'm actually surprised that Lindsey Graham knows what a Shia is. All the way into Syria. They will eventually march on Jordan and Lebanon. Our best ally in the region is the king. Not where we trained a lot of these guys. King of Jordan. And they will attack us from that part of Iraq and Syria. They're going to about the idea of that. And um, an, uh, an ally of a country that was founded, you know, supposedly to, to end monarchies and our best ally in the region is a king. The fact that we don't laugh at the idea of a king in the 21st century is beyond me. He's a good guy, though. He's a good dude. Our own national uh, uh, director of national intelligence, FBI director, the next 9-11 is coming from here. Okay, hold on a second, everybody. We're going to rewind that. You heard that. That was actually said. That came out of his mouth. So here we go. This is not fear-mongering, everybody. This is... I don't even know what to call this. This is like... Real journalism? Yeah, this is pure, <laughs> this is pure right here. Once again, grab your bedpans, everybody. According to our own national... Uh, uh, director of National Intelligence, FBI director, the next 9-11 is coming from here. That's very, that's a very serious... That's what they say, thing. and I agree with them. You... <laughs> because, once again, Lindsey Graham Wait. is the intelligence master of the... Wait, you mean the same FBI that helped to arm and uh, build bombs with, uh, what, what's his name? 
Oh my God! Just pick it, pick it, uh, pick pick one. Ninety three World Trade Center though, the big one that shined the light on the Twin Towers. Um, I can't remember his name, dude. I've read that stupid book and I can't even remember the guy's name. Uh, they, and the the FBI's agent's name was John Antisev. I I know I I've read Aronson's book and I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Oh man. Imad Salem. Imad, there we go. He's working with Imad Salem, and then when they couldn't get when the FBI couldn't get Salem to do their dirty work for them, the CIA then instead gets um uh, Ramsey Youssef to do it for them. <sighs> hey, don't worry, man. The FBI just grabs a bunch of willing dupes and like gives them bombs and knows that they're broke and poor and live in their mother's basement and like. Gives them these stuff and gives them operations and then busts them and says, well, we caught a terrorist. It's just so dumbfounding to me, Jake, that once you know what these terms really mean, once you use the trivium and you apply these definitions as the oligarchs use them, mm-hmm. they tell you exactly what they're doing. Right now, Lindsey Graham just told you that the next false flag event will be coming from the FBI and from the counterterrorism regime here in America, uh, and it will be blamed on these Middle Eastern forces that were trained by same people that will bring you the false flag he said as much if you decode the decode the propaganda terrible <sighs> oh man here we go this is getting this is more fun more fun from lindsey graham here we go think that we could have another oh i think it's inevitable We're, the seeds of 9-11s are being planted all over iraq and syria Notice how it's always a rock in syria a rock in syria where'd iran go lindsey graham oh iran's coming up later in the show Good old buddies. You don't have to believe me. This is what they're telling you they're going to do. They're not hiding their agenda. They want an Islamic caliphate that runs through Syria and Iraq. They're going to take the King of Jordan down because he's an infidel in their eyes as much as we are. And they plan to drive us out of the Mideast by attacking us here at home. The president says the Maliki has to put in reforms. In other words, bring Sunnis into the government. Do you think our aid should, or whatever we do, uh, should depend on what he does on this? All bad options for the president. If you use air power, you could kill civilians. But if uh, Baghdad uh, gets infected with these guys and the government collapses, that's the worst case scenario. Any assistance we provide needs to be coordinated with a political solution. You got an acute military problem. You got a chronic political problem. There is no way, in my view, that Maliki can pull this off. But there are people. Your reporter mentioned something about the Iraqi people. The average Shia doesn't want to be dominated by Iran, and the average Sunni has no desire to live their life under ISIS rules. Once again, another nugget of truth from Lindsey Graham. Good for you, buddy. The good news is the average Iraqi wants to move forward. They have no infrastructure to move forward. Hmm. Why do they not have an infrastructure again? Well, let's just keep in mind uh, that our good buddy, the King of Jordan... Uh, the, the Jordanian royalty kingship was set up in 1921. It's a fairly recent invention by the British, who also set up the king of Iraq at the same time. That doesn't matter, Josh. We're not talking about history. Uh. History is irrelevant. <laughs> about now. Hey, why didn't Iraq have an infrastructure? Oh, because we... Did we blow it up or something? I think we might have. Iraq force is basically grounded. Without American air power, it's going to be hard to turn the tide. Uh, you heard uh, the uh, the reports from there. The Iranians say they want to help. Should we encourage them to help of all things? It, is it just mirrors like every time they bring up Iran, it's like Iran is like like dealing with like the boogeyman. It's like should we should we even talk to Iran? Should we talk to? I'm like, dude, their people. 
And I'm pretty sure they don't like, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff going on in their region either. So why can't we talk to them? Oh, no, 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 no. Can't talk to Iran because we overthrew their government a long time ago and they're really pissed about it still. <laughs> well, they, they uh, you know, th- first they were our enemies and then we threw a coup d'etat and then they, then they were our allies. And then they were our enemies again during, uh, during the Shah, Shah's reign. And then they were our allies again in the 80s when we needed them to fight uh, Saddam Hussein. And then they became our enemies yet again and now they're going to be our allies again. And it's, there's absolutely no consistency to any of these geopolitical fairy tales. And that's why they're fairy tales, people. Just read, re- learn history. No. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. We can overthrow governments, and that's fine. The people will not be pissed about it. If it's a democratically elected government, and we want to overthrow them and put the Shah in there, then that's perfectly peaches. Everything's fine. I mean, should we even be talking to Great them? Great question. A good thing? Well, we're probably, probably need their help to hold Baghdad. Their goal is to create a sectarian Iraq, to have a puppet in Baghdad that's a Shia-dominated uh, uh, government where they control the outcome. They want the southern part of Iraq. Our goal is to have an inclusive Iraq, but in the short term. Why did we deal with Stalin? Because he was not as bad as Hitler in our eyes. Yeah, people, once again, for those of you that read history, you probably just vomited right there. We're going to have to have some dialogue with the Iranians that say, let's Coordinate our efforts, but put a red line to the Iranians. Don't use this crisis to take territory from the Iraqi people. Uh, Put them on notice that we will not accept their intervening into Iraq for the purpose of creating a satellite state for Iran. But you're saying you could see a situation where we have Iranian forces fighting on the ground and U.S. air power serving as their air arm. It makes me sick to say it, but Turkey needs to get involved to convince the Sunni politically and to keep the Kurds from bolting. If the Kurds break away, then you have another front between Turkey and the Kurds. The Iranians have an interest. They have their Shia populations to protect. We need to all make sure Baghdad doesn't fall. So yes, we need a dialogue of some kind with the Iranians, but we also need to put them on notice. Don't use this crisis as a way to create a satellite state uh, uh, of Iraq controlled by Iran. There we go. Lindsey Graham on Face of the Nation. It looks like we're time. But you know what, Josh? We're going to go a little bit over. So for the people, and that's due to the cluster you-know-what that happened at the beginning of the show. So for those of you that are listening live, um, sorry, we're going to be going off air here in a little bit. But uh, you can catch the end of the show at wearenotkettle.net. It'll be on there, and it'll also be um, in the blog talk link if you found the show that'll be on there as well. Also posted on my Facebook and my Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. And you can like or follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle, the number one. So anyway, uh, Josh, finishing up here. What? Um, thank you, man. Whoever. Oh, thank you, whoever just said nice show. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, follow us and um, and be sure to. Oh, let's talk about the research collective really quick before we got to go. Um, one step beyond me is where the um, where you'll be able to find that. I'll put the link there as well once we get the site up. So. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the words of encouragement, man. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. Uh, we always try to learn something here. So, anyway, um, Josh, continuing. Let's um, let's talk about um, I don't know. Let's, let's put a little nice little bow on this thing here. So, what Lindsey Graham was saying there. Um, why why was that terrifying to me, or, or why do you think that was terrifying? 
Well, I mean, just it's what I explained before. If we realize the FBI's role and the CIA's role within supposed counterterrorism efforts and we realize that they are actually seed money and training operations for these things, he's literally telling you in code that there are plans for some kind of event. And I think it's very interesting that he uses the, the, the term 9-11 in plural. He says this is the seed of, of 9-11s, multiple uh, which is interesting. And, and you know, Lindsey Graham is, is one to go off half-cocked about this stuff all the time. That's, that's kind of his role in the, in the political theater of America, right? Mm-hmm. Is he, he's kind of the loose cannon. Um, but it's, it's, it's an incredible act of arrogance and hubris to literally think that you can just invade all three of these countries at once. And just, uh, because uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's truly what the, the Krauthammers and the Crystals and, and the grams of the world would, would have you think that America will not be safe until from Turkey to Iran, you know, is, and, and he, heck, let's throw most of Pakistan in there. That, that should be just one giant fenced-in American military base. Right. And, and you know, because that's what's going to bring freedom, you know. Killing a bunch of people brings freedom. It always does. So uh, I, guess, I guess when I'm looking at this from, from my perspective... As as much as I know about history, and I learn more and more every day because I, I I try to at least you know read a little bit every night so I can have some sense of sense of where where we're coming from as a species. When you look at this, it gets really disheartening to understand that human progress isn't really progressing. We're not really progressing um, forward. We're doing the same stuff that we did with clubs and swords, except now we're doing it from thirty thousand feet, and and it's for the same reasons. It's because that person looks different than me, or that person worships a, a different um, spiritual being than I do. And it gets really disheartening, because I, I figured by this, this, this late in the game, that we would all be kind of moving to the direction that, um, not to myself, but I guess myself, Josh, and, and many others that find our shoes, that we're... we're we're trying to better ourselves and understand that we're gonna we're gonna invoke the Gandhi line, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. And then when you see people basically checking out and taking the easy road out, um, it's kind of like human human progress is regressing. And and I hate to say that like the the 50s and 60s were 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 a time where where human progress was actually stepping up and that they saw. And I think the the reason was it, it was because the the wars were so fresh in these people's mind, like millions of people dying, millions of people dying, and and that was really fresh in their mind because most of the people that came back saw a bunch of their friends die, and they didn't want to go to war, and war was not something you did. Now war to the American people is something that happens over there. It never happens here. It's something always over there. And we just, yeah, just go bomb those brown people. Just bomb them. It's, it's such an arrogant, narrow-minded ideology that makes me want to absolutely throw up on myself. Well, I, that's my two cents on this, whole, on this whole idea is that if Josh and I can spend – I spent 45 minutes researching this topic tonight. And, and Josh and I, within an hour, had pulled together things. Of course, I've read some of the stuff in, in past history books, but it wasn't nearly as in-depth as what I read tonight. It was like, oh, here's what happened in this region for about 10 years. Here's what happened in this region for about 10 years. Here's what happened here. Here's who set up these people. And then you kind of get an idea. And then when you tie it into people like Brzezinski and understand what they do and, and, and their stratagem for that region, and that's very important to understand. So 
Read the Grand Chessboard if you haven't. Read, um, what is it? Oh, my God. Strategic what? Vision. Thank you. That is the book that I have on freaking Audible. Read that, and then you'll get an idea of why these policies don't change because the people, they're going to put the puppet in place, and the, the president's going to change, the, the secretary of state's going to change, but look who the advisors are and look at the policies of the advisors because Brzezinski... And Henry Kissinger, those guys are not going away, and they're still not going away until they pass. And, well, and we have to we have to be aware that this is going to be an ideological battle between the people that that actually vote, if you do vote, and the people that actually take political sides and voice their political opinion. It's going to be us against the comptrollers, and that's. Yeah, I- and it's that ultimate connection, though, where you realize that Brzezinski and Kissinger front for the same people, right? Even though they, they have, you know, Brzezinski is more associated with Democratic regimes and, and Kissinger with, with Republican regimes. Correct. And they have somewhat different approaches because, you know, both of these groups do very different things to advance the, the, the controlled collectivi- collectivized nature of society. Right. Uh, but Henry Kissinger has said as much in interviews. Uh, I forget where it was, but someone once asked him something to the effect of, why do you not work with democratic regimes? And he said, well, it's not that they're not like good people. It's not that I'm not friends with a lot of them, but I typically sit in the Republican camp. So that's, that's where, that's, that's who I work with. It's not about his ideology. He said nothing about how he agrees with them or, 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 or where his connections lie. He just simply said that that's my role to play. Right. My role to play is, is as, is as the strategist for Republicans. Brzezinski's is for Democrats. And I'm sure that there's many other little comptrollers of the same ilk. But, Jake, before we, before we leave, I did want to say something that, that Sibel Edmonds brought up on a recent Boiling Frogs post. And I think it, it truly is a monumental difference. Um, in, in, this, in, the, in the 70s, uh, the biggest thing that, that caused America, in my mind, to leave Vietnam was not even because of the protest movement. It wasn't because of the flower children. It was because we had reporters over there that were constantly showing the American people on the front pages of newspapers dead babies, monks burning themselves alive, mm-hmm. bullet holes, soldiers filled with bullet holes, mm-hmm. the horrible drug addiction that these soldiers were developing, and, and, and the carnage just made people ask, well, well what for? Mm-hmm. Why? And, and, and that has certainly been eliminated from mainstream media, but even in the alternative media, you know, like, and, and it's, it's almost a tactic of, of manipulation, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, I don't, I, I don't, I put it this way, I don't necessarily think it's wrong that people, that the alternative media doesn't show these images on a regular basis, right. um, but because you're essentially just preaching to the choir, but if there were a way to show the American people all at once, for example, what uranium, uh, depleted uranium has done to, to Iraq, and then realize that not just their industrial infrastructure and their military infrastructure, but their biological infrastructure is gone, damaged for the next 50 years to the point where they won't be able to reproduce properly. And now you're going to ask these people to fight a war? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's really sick, man. It really is. And, and like I said, I guess it's the short-sightedness of the American public. And, and it's not just us. I mean, it's not... The ignorance of the American public. Right. Let's be honest. They're just very dumb. Or is it, is it they're, are, are they ignorant or are they nescient? I mean, I would say that they're probably nescient for the most part. Mm, uh, ignorance is choice in the age of the internet, right? I, I could I could buy it if corporate media is the only place that you have to to, to digest your information. Mm-hmm. But Jake, if if people like ourselves uh, can can undo the fifty thousand hours of mandatory conditioning that is schooling, 
and 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 the brainwashing of, of pop culture and 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 uh, and and mass media, mm-hmm. then I don't think it's too much to expect that that other people do that as well. I think it's just the creature comforts get them, man. And like you said before, it doesn't matter as long as they got a roof over their head and something in their belly, they'll pretty much do whatever, and they'll muddle mm-hmm. through anything. It's sad. Yeah, really. That's what Socrates said, you know. Sorry. Sorry to end it on a somber note, but everybody, but that is that is going to be it for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and um, as always, we enjoy you seeing you guys chat with us. We enjoy. Heck, we're going to open up the phones next time. We'll take some phone calls from you guys because that uh, that always makes for a great show. Um, Sunday show should be on. I would. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it's on. So Sunday, 11 a.m. I don't know if Josh will be awake for that. He might have one big glass of bulletproof coffee. And we might be able to snake him out of bed for that show. But there uh, should be some interesting stuff going on here. I will keep you guys posted on the Research Collective. So if you want to stay up with uh, us and all our latest news, um, we should actually create a Twitter account and stuff like that for that. Oh, don't worry about that. We've got it. We just need to press go, essentially. Uh, see? This is why I like dealing with Josh. I don't have to give any orders. It's just everything's ready. It's push button, except for getting people to get us our logo within four days. Anyway, so that's it for the show, everybody. Thank you once again to Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution and the new research, um, One Step Beyond Research Collective um, that we're starting here. So if you guys have anything that you would like to add to the Research Collective, please let us know. Send us any documents, anything that you guys will want to do. We're looking for fellow nerds out there that find this stuff fascinating. If you want to dive into the CIA, if you want to dive into some projects, if you've done some research on MK Ultra or something like that, feel free to contact us because that's the kind of stuff that we'll be touching on. Nothing too outlandish, just requesting for your documents, trying to link some stuff together and putting a different, um, a, a different set of media out there for people to to find and it's probably not going to be for the faint of heart so if you guys are in this just for the entertainment value and hear me rant and rave and talk about some stuff that's maybe a little bit um, deeper than watching Fox News and Megyn Kelly's legs then it's probably not going to be for you guys but for my hardcore nerds out there that want to understand what uh, really goes on in the world and if you got some stuff on the Vatican that you think is just going to absolutely blow our minds or aliens because that's hey we're up for anything so Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Share the podcast with people you love, people you know, and people you like, or people that you just think would um, would enjoy the show. We try to do a great job for you. Sorry for the technical difficulties on the end, and uh, or at the beginning, whatever. It is now the end, and that was the beginning. So not to mix metaphors, but anyway. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, get a friend, get informed, get involved. Find us on this Sunday, 11 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time in the AM where we will bring you some more dose of reality with a deeper dive into topics that you should care about. Take care, everyone.